All right, I want you to turn to Jonah chapter 4. We are wrapping up our time with Jonah. Just to, while you're turning there to Jonah chapter 4, just to uh, give you, help us recall where we are. We have seen Jonah. He was called by God to go to Nineveh. Uh, He decided he didn't want to, and he went in the other direction toward Tarshish. Uh, Got on a boat. God got his attention by a storm. The sailors, once they figured out that this was because of Jonah, they tossed him overboard. God sent a fish to swallow him up, and we are at the end of chapter 1. Chapter 2 is three days that Jonah spent inside that fish, and he is just praying. He is remembering the Psalms, and he's going through various. If you look at his prayer, for those of you who have not been here, each one of those lines out of his, out of his prayer seem to come directly from certain passages in the book of, in, in, throughout Psalms. And so he is there just remembering all the troubles that whether it was David or other psalmists were going through, and he is remembering that, and he's praying out to God. He says that he will keep his vow, and God causes the fish to put him up on dry land. And then in chapter 3, we see that Jonah, he goes through, he keeps his vow, he marches through, he starts preaching. The people are repenting and turning to God. The king makes a proclamation and says, everybody will fast, everybody will wear sackcloth, nobody's going to, even the animals can't have anything to eat. And we read at the end of chapter 3, Where it says, when God saw their deeds, they turned from their wicked way. And then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. And we see in Jonah 4, we begin reading. But it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, please Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant and loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. And the Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? And then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. <clears throat> so, so the Lord appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah and it, to be a shade over his head to deliver him from the, his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came next day, when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant and it withered. And when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. And then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. And then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? 
Father, as we look into this text this morning, I pray that we would be able to see your word, not only in the context of that day, but what you would have us to draw from it in our own lives. For today, this week, and in the months and years ahead, I pray, Father, that um, your spirit would just move through the words that I might say to interact with our minds and our hearts so that we would follow you and what you would want us to take away from this this morning. I am grateful, Father, that we are not dependent on our own wisdom or our own knowledge to be fed your word, but that you have given us your word and you have given us your spirit. Help us to hear from your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God sent Jonah to deliver a message. And man, this is like something that I think we all we would all, I think, like to have some kind of a Jonah experience when it comes to him marching through some town, proclaiming the truth about God, whatever that might have been. We, all we see here is he's saying, in 40 days you will be overthrown. But for whatever reason, just to see people turn from their sin, turn from their wickedness. I mean, here at the end of this, it mentions 120,000. It could be over a half a million based on how you interpret that 120,000. But would that not be something that we would be overjoyed about? But yet in the first verse, Jonah says he got angry. He was very much displeased and he got angry. And this word angry is just not a little bit ticked off. He's not just like put off a little bit. This, is, this word, it literally means a burning anger. That there is a fire that is just consuming him. This anger is consuming him to the point where we see on two occasions, he's just going, just, death is better for me. And then he prays to God. And in his prayer here, we see he knew God would, could do this. He knew there was a chance that God was going to, in his mercy and grace and compassion, he knew that there was a chance that God would relent from destroying Nineveh. He, when he says here, was the, the arrogance of this guy, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Think about that. Was this not what I told you? Was this not what we had, in our conversation, did I not tell you when we were back there in my own country where I was sitting in the comfort of my own home among my own people, was this not what I said? And, and, and therefore, in order to forestall this, I went in the other direction. I went to Tarshish for I knew that you are gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. It's, a, it's amazing to me that he appreciates this for himself considering 
just recently what he went through when he was turning away and running from God and was caught up in a storm, was thrown overboard, was swallowed up by a fish, and was delivered back onto dry land, that he's fine with that kind of loving kindness and compassion and grace and mercy and all that. But when it comes to these people, he is not at all on board with this. And so we see that he made a vow back in chapter 3 where he said, or chapter 2, I will keep my vow. And he made his way through Nineveh and he was proclaiming what the Father was telling him to proclaim. But his heart, we can tell right here, was not in it. His heart was far from God. He might have been physically present in the place that God wanted him, but his heart was far from God. I can't imagine having this kind of conversation where I look to God and say, didn't I tell you the arrogance of that alone? But Jonah here, he just says, he's praying this prayer, and then he says, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. It could be that, I mean, out of all the commentaries I've read, I read a whole lot of reasons why he might have said this. And it might be be all of these reasons. One, uh, he could be concerned that he is now going to be considered a false prophet because he was going through proclaiming, in 40 days, you will be overthrown. And it's not happening. Because they, retur- they, they repented, they turned back to God, they made vows to God, they put the sackcloth on in humility, they fasted, and, and they were trusting in God, and God looked down on that and saw their deeds, and he relented from the calamity he was going to put on. It could be that he was saying, man, I'm a prophet of God, you sent me here to proclaim this, and now it's not going to happen. That might be it. It's kind of weak, but that might be it. It might be the fact that he just doesn't want to be anywhere near the Assyrians or Nineveh because they are, they are enemies of Israel. They are enemies of God. They have heard about their, There are two kingdoms to the east of Israel. One is Bab- the Babylonian kingdom and one is the Assyrian kingdom. And those two, that, man, they're fighting with each other all the time. And Israel's just kind of waiting for them to turn their attention toward Israel. There's, 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 these, there's been these little skirmishes out on the borders and stuff like that. And we, we can read about it. We know that in the future, Assyria is going to come in and take over Israel. We know that Babylonia is going to come in and take over Judah. We know that all of these things are going to happen sometime down the road within the next uh, 200 and plus years. But right now, the, all they do is they see these two huge empires off to their east and they do not like what they represent the 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 multi-god worship that they have the way they treat foreigners all of these things that are that are that have that have built up in their anger towards or angry being angry toward their enemy it could be that Jonah fears that he's gone to Nineveh their enemy and how Israel might respond to him when he comes back. Who are you? What are you doing going to our enemy and proclaiming God to them? And now God has blessed them with grace and mercy and peace and, and all these things. Man, that, God was going to rain down on them. If no one went over there to, to, to proclaim that, that, you know, I'm just assuming this is some things that might be said. If you didn't go and do this, God would have destroyed them. 
We don't know. I don't believe that to be the case because God used this. I believe God used this not only to reach Nineveh, but to get to Jonah, to get to the root matter in his heart. And we're going to see that here in a little bit. God was not just orchestrating all of this so that Nineveh might know who God is and be able to respond to God, but it was also to get to deal with some things of a prophet, to deal with some things in the heart of this prophet. There are so many things that are going on here, and I can imagine it could be anyone or all of these things or things that we don't even know about that he is just saying, death is better than me than life. And God just says, do you have a good reason to be angry? Jonah doesn't answer him. It says here in verse 5 that Jonah went out from the city and he sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. Even though he knew that God had kind of relented from the calamity, somehow there was a communication there with that because he got angry about it, he was still hoping that there was a chance Nineveh would return to their wicked ways, I I imagine. He was still hoping that there, I'm just going to sit here long enough because surely, you know, God will keep his word and whatever. So if Nineveh is off over here and he's traveled through and he's over here on the east side, he sets up this little shelter facing Nineveh. And this shelter... You know, I don't know what he had available to him. Most of the time you see these shelters when, in places that I've been, and, and, and I'm sure in places that you've been. There have been these, like, these, little, these little lean-to where they pot, stack some sticks up on each other, and, and they make a shady spot that you can get behind. But that sun does tend to move, right? And so as that sun moves, either you pick in this thing up and move it around, or, you know, so the sun, it, it, that thing's not going to provide protection for you all day long. It might even be one of these things, a better kind of thing, where there's four prongs sticking up and they just start stacking twigs and limbs and branches across the top of it, interacting, winding them together so that they provide a shelter over the top. But that doesn't mean the sun can't come in through the side or, or what are the, whatever, the, whatever he built up, it wasn't enough to keep him from fe- feeling miserable. Whatever, whatever shelter he made, it wasn't enough because we see that God did three things here right when he did that. Right when he went over here and he developed this shelter and he was facing Nineveh and he was just waiting to see what would happen. God did three things. First, he appointed a plant. It says, so the Lord God appointed a plant that it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. These Twigs, these, these, I've, I've seen them in, in uh, North Africa and I've seen them in India where these, these, these shelters that they make are not like 100%. There is, there, sunshine will get through those twigs. It will not keep you from the heat. The heat will still get to you in, in, in a certain way because these shelters are very small. And when that sun moves, I've seen these guys fall asleep underneath rickshaws or underneath uh, certain other things. They might, they might weave together plastic bags and tie them on, 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 on sticks or something to provide a shade. But you'll see them fall asleep underneath those things and that sun moves. Before long, they're back in the sun again. And so the, uh, no doubt, Jonah here, it says that he was uncomfortable. It was in his, it was to deliver him from his discomfort. But this plant came up and it shaded him in a way that provided him comfort. And it says that Jonah was happy about that. Earlier he was angry, now he's happy. He's happy that this plant has grown up over over him and provided him with shade that would give him comfort. Just this past week I was working out in the yard and I was actually a little, I I remember telling Shannon, he says, man, this is 
I was surprised. Working out in front yard where the sun was beating down on us and I was doing something. And I went to the, just the other side of the house in the backyard where there's this big shade tree over our deck and everything. And it felt 15 to 20 degrees cooler back there. Now I know it wasn't, but it felt that way. When I sat down under that shade tree, I just kind of went, wow. The wind in the front with the sun blowing felt warm. The wind back here blowing through those trees, it felt a whole lot better. And I remember sitting there as I was thinking about this sermon, I was, going, I was sitting there going, man, I wonder if that's how Jonah was feeling, even when the wind might have been blowing while he was sitting under, out there in the sun underneath what he made. Was he feeling the heat like I used to I'm in India when I would be walking down the street in the heat and, and it felt like, especially when I was on my scooter riding up the street, it felt like someone had a blow dryer right in front of my face. Just the heat there was no breeze that you could make out in the sun to help feel like you were feeling cooler than the air temperature around you. But as soon as we could find us a nice shady spot, for some reason, as the wind would come through those trees and come through those, the forest or, or come across whatever, the the, it felt much better. It's not that the temperature dropped so much but it felt much better. And so I can imagine that he's there. He's got this plant, this big, huge leaves that are covering the, 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 the cracks that might be in his shed that are wrapping around and, and allowing him to feel comfortable now. But in verse 7, it says, not only did God appoint a plant to cover him. In verse 7, God appointed a worm. And when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Jonah is having a hard day. He built this thing and the plant came over and he was happy. It says that he was happy about that. And as soon as God sent this worm and the plant withered and died and the east wind came and blown on him, he became angry again. He became so despondent that he said, I would rather die. It may seem as if God is being kind of cruel here. It may seem that God is kind of being mean uh, by uh, giving him this comfort of a plant, but God here is trying to get his attention. God is trying to show him. It's, 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 God is using whatever he has available. If that, fish, if that fish didn't get his attention, God's going to use other means of getting his attention. Because when he was in that fish, he was willing to say, God, I'll do whatever it is you want. But in his heart, I don't have to like it. I will still be against it. He went on his way and he did what God had called him to do there in the town. Biggest revival probably recorded in a, in a while there. And he is still having heart problems, having issues. And it might be some of the things we talked about earlier where he just doesn't like the Ninevites. It might be what we talked about back in chapter 1 uh, where... where you know, God is sending a prophet of Israel to Gentiles. There might be some of that there. It might, there, there's, there could be a whole lot of baggage here. But the thing that I see here a lot is that Jonah's heart is far from God. 
His actions look like they might be doing what God wants him to do, but his heart is far from God. Anyone that's going to say, I tried to tell you, anyone that is angry about a people coming to God, anyone who is angry about a nation not being destroyed, anyone who is angry about a plant that you had nothing to do with that is all of a sudden taken away, there is some things going on in this man's heart that God is trying to address. And a second time he says, or God says, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Part of what, when, when I read this, I, I, I thought of a couple of stories. You know, God, basically what, what God is doing here, he, he says, I've appointed this plant to come over and, and cover you up and I took this plant away. And Jonah is upset with God about taking away a comfort, taking away something that is providing him some refreshing, refreshment in, in, in that situation. He, God is doing that and God is taking it away, trying to get his attention in that your, your heart towards that plant is more than your heart toward these people. Your heart toward that plant, you became upset when that plant when, 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 when this was done, but you, you do not have any regard whatsoever for these people of Nineveh. Whatever it is that I want to do, I will do. I'm just asking you to do what I tell you to do. And Jonah here is doing, checking the list, but his attitude is way off. I, I remember the story of, do you remember the story of the prodigal son? When he came home, he, 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 well, first he, 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 squand, he took his, his, his resources, he squandered everything, and he came back home and he was begging the father, I'll, I'll be a servant, and all this. The father said, no, I want to receive you, we're going to wash you, we're going to put a robe on you, we're going to put a ring on you, we're going to kill the fat, we're going, we're going to have a big party for you. When the big brother finds out about this, what does he do? He gets angry. And the father tells him, listen, you... You have, we should be excited that my, the brother, all he saw was the sins of his br youngest brother. The brother, all he saw was his brother squandering his father's resources and squandering every, his life and, and living the way he was living and coming back in like a beggar. And that's all his brother saw. The father, he saw someone coming back home. He saw someone repenting of what they had done. Someone who was willing to come, not to assume the same position he had before, but was willing to come back. His heart was such that he said, I will be like one of your servants. Can I just come home? And that's the difference between the way the father is seeing the son and the brother is seeing his brother. Is the brother's heart is all about, what about me? Why don't, why don't we have a party for me and my friends? And the father is saying, man, your, your brother has come home. Your brother is here. As a matter of fact, there's a, in a Matthew chapter 20, we see where Jesus is teaching the disciples and he talks about for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. And it goes on to talk about at the third hour he went out and he found some more to go work. And he says, you know, I'll give you a fair wage. And then the sixth hour and the ninth hour. And he went out on the eleventh hour and he found some people to go work in the vineyards and all that. And when it come time to pay, it says here that when evening it came and the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last group to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. Now remember, he promised the group that was going to work the whole day a denarius. This group that just kind of worked that last hour, they were getting a denarius. And so this is what they're and when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one got a denarius. And when those hired the first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received the denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have, been, who have, who have borne the burden and scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go, but I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? The key there is, is it not, can I not do whatever I want with what is my own? If God is the creator of all things and God has a desire that no one should perish, if God wants to, even, even back when he made the covenant with Abraham and he said, you will be a blessing to all nations. Should Jonah be angry? Should Jonah be this arrogant towards God? Should Jonah just desire to go through the motions in verse 10, then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. You had compassion for that. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are no more than 120,000 persons who do not know, their difference, know the difference between their right and left, as well as many animals? Now, some, like I said, this 120,000, if that's the total population, then possibly what he means by here, know their left from their right, is just that they don't know right from wrong. That might be it. But it also might mean that it's 120,000 that doesn't know their left from their right, might be talking about these innocent children that live in Nineveh, in, in Nineveh there. And if there's 120,000, according to estimates, there's going to be over a half a million total population in this, in this town. Whichever one it is. 120,000 or over half a million, whichever one it is, God says, can I not have compassion on these people? Now, we don't see the conversation here. I can imagine in Jonah's head, he's thinking, but God, and he's recalling these terrible deeds that the Ninevites have done over the years, Assyrians have done over the years of how they're enemies of God and enemies of Israel and, and, and all that. I can imagine he's going through that and God is just standing his ground going, can I not have compassion on whom I want to have compassion? When are you going to get it, Jonah? You need to merge your will alongside of my will and embrace the way I want to see things done, not only in Nineveh but in your own heart. 
You need to come alongside me, especially when it comes to all of these things. Are you going to be looked upon as a false prophet? I, you know, I'm just throw, throwing this out there. It's not saying that here. Do, are you concerned about being a false prophet? Don't. Did I not tell you to go do this? Did I not act this way? Do not be concerned with what people think. Are you concerned about the people of Israel saying, hey, you went over to our enemies and started declaring the truth to them? Do not worry about that. I asked you to come and do this. You worry about more about what I say, what I think, what I am asking you to do than what the people of Israel think. Do you care that they are Gentiles? If that is your concern, then you need to get over that because I said that Abraham would be a blessing to all nations and you should not concern yourself as to when that happens, how that happens, who that happens through or anything. I'm asking you, I need for you to go to Nineveh and be willing to do what I tell you to do and to be on board with it. There's nothing worse than someone who will do what you say to do and grumble about it along the way. And complain about it along the way. Man, I used, listen, I listened to my father growing up because the last thing I wanted was that leather strap on my tuchus. That's the last thing I wanted. And so I did exactly what my father told me to do most of the time. I'll, I'll throw that in there. Most of the time. But I grumbled about it. Don't think I didn't. Don't think when I was out there pushing that mower when it was 90 degrees at 10 o'clock in the morning, just going, man, I cannot believe. There's, there's got to be some child labor laws he's breaking around here somewhere. When my mama said something about getting there, hey, those dishes need to be done. Won't you boys get in there to go? In my head, whoa, back then you could say that. That's woman's work. And my mama did not hesitate to read me the riot act. It, it's, it might be woman's work, but this woman's telling my, her son, get in there and do it. End of discussion. And I'm in there scrubbing and grumbling away. Did not realize that it wasn't just all these things that parents do with children just to make sure that the parents can sit around and lounge around all day slaving their children away. It was teaching these children about responsibility and, 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 and how to be good adults as they grow up. That's, that's something that I appreciate now as I, as I became an adult, as I became a father myself, and I started having these same conversations with my sons, and they would be grumbling. I said, hey, listen, you can like it or not like it, but I promise you, you merge your will up alongside my will, and it's going to be a lot easier for you. It's going to be a lot easier for you. God is trying to get Jonah's attention here. And, and, and in the same way, here, here's an example. This is an example of Peter in the book of Acts. When God was telling Peter something and Peter got on board fairly quickly. We know the, the, the vision that he had. He was in Joppa and, uh, and, and, and he was get, they were getting ready to prepare for their meal. And it says, but, but, but he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance and he saw sky open up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice to him, get up, a voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and immediately 
the object was taken up into the sky. And we see that there, God was doing that and pre- preparing Peter to start going and preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel with people who were not Jewish. We know this because later on as the, 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 the men came, said, hey, Peter, we're sent here to bring you to our, our, our Cornelius. And, and so the next day they went and Peter says this, And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I asked, for what reason have you sent for me? See there, he... He objected at first when that vision came and it kind of said, hey, get up, kill, and eat. And he said, no, I don't do that. I can't do that. And the object lesson here was, as he, as he recognizes, and he says, with no objection, I got up and came. What, what do you want? What do you need? We can learn a lot from Peter and his willingness to kind of merge his will to the Father's will instead of expecting the Father to kind of merge his preferences to ours. We need to be really careful about that. And, 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 and there, are, there are some areas that I see this sometimes coming up, and especially in our churches, especially since we have come home in the last three years, come back to the States in the last three years. I have seen it in a couple of ways. And one of them is where in American churches, they have, they have taken this patriotic, nationalistic pride and brought that into the church as if it is something that God ordained. Friends, I'm trying to be careful here. It is okay to be happy about being American. It is okay to even, to a certain extent, be proud to be an American. But when our pride of being American keeps us from doing what God wants us to do to the nations of the world, to the people that are even around us, and, when, and, 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 I, and listen, I got this when we first came back to America and there were pastors would question me, why were you even in a Muslim country telling them about Jesus after what they did to us? Pastors saying that to us. I am grateful that I have not encountered that here. I'm just bringing that up to let you know. Friends, it is out there and we have to be the voice that God wants us to be against that kind of teaching, against that kind of thinking. We cannot allow that to take a toehold at all inside this place, inside our hearts. We have to be incredibly careful because this leads to the, the, the next thing is, is that I, I, I see not only this patriotic and nationalistic because that is what have you done for me, but the other one is why do we go to them? That is racist. That is racism. That's what Jonah here is wrestling with. Jonah is wrestling with this idea that we, Israel, we are better than them. God, why do you want to have anything to do with them? I told you, God, just, you know, I I wish we could, I wish we could see that conversation played out because I can imagine he stuck his foot in his mouth many times. But in that conversation, when he said, we had, I told you back in, when we were in my home, own country, I told you this could happen. We have to be incredibly careful. Not only are we patriotic to the point where we're disregarding the nations, but we are disregarding the nations and creating this underbelly of racism to rear its ugly head in our lives. 
We cannot allow that to happen. And we have to be ready to point that out in the others. And, and the one more subtle thing that I've seen in our churches in America, and, 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 and I've said this before, is, is that we, have our own, we all have our own preferences. We, we, we bring stuff to the table. We, we bring different experiences and traditions and things like that in the past. But what I have discovered is I have sat in churches that are dying and talked to them, and they do not want to give up traditions even if it, they know that that is displeasing to God. They do not want to stop doing certain things because they, that will mean they, will, they have to get outside the building and into a community or they have to get outside their home and get to their neighbors, or they have to get outside their cubicle and get to their workplace, or they have to get outside of their own personal preferences and go to that kid in the lunchroom who is sitting by himself because nobody else wants to hang out with that kid. Friends, being, God wants us to be intentional when it comes to living our lives in a way that honors him, not honors us, not honors America, not honors the traditions that we have. He wants us to honor him. Interestingly, we see here that this story just ends in Jonah. It just comes to an end. We don't know what happened after this. And the way I look at this is not so much trying to figure out what Jonah is. is as, as I have preached through this series in Jonah for the last five weeks, I've had conversations with some of you one-on-one, -on -one, and you have pointed out little things in, our own, in your life, and I've shared some things in my life that have come out as I have, 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 have shared this. And, and, and my question is, so what? What is our next steps? I'm talking about personally, my, my personal walk. What is our next? How are we going to address those things that God, are we just going to say, okay, yeah, God pointed that out. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Now I know where I'm flawed and just ignore it. Now I know that I'm doing over here is not necessarily pleasing to God and just ignore it. Friends, we have to crucify that thing. We have to get rid of those things in our lives that God points out. That I use the phrase to, and, and when I pray sometimes to shine your light into the dark corners of our heart. Because just like our home, sometimes we've got places where we throw junk. We, whether it's a junk drawer in our kitchen or whether it's a closet somewhere where we're just throwing stuff. I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to throw it out here or in the shed out back or whatever it is. We all have these dark places, these places where we're just throwing junk. We don't want to get rid of it. We're just going to throw it in there. It's, it, it, it might be useful one day, but more than likely it's not useful. Or man, I'm just having a hard time getting rid of this thing. I'm going to put it in here in case down the road. And God is saying purge those things in our lives and the reason is so that we can experience all that he has for us it's not purge these things so that you can be less of someone purge these things so that you don't we don't have to go through what Jonah goes through we're not I don't see us ended up in the belly of a fish and and, and, and I'm not so sure anyone in this room wants to sit over and wait for a, a town to be destroyed or anything like that But like I shared in my testimony, I sat across the Straits of Gibraltar on the southern coast of Spain looking back at Morocco and told God, man, I don't care what you do to that country, God. I'm tired of those people. And God broke me, and it took months for me to get over that and to get to a place where I could say that I am put that behind me. It is no longer a part of my life, and now I can honestly say I love those people.
I would go live with those people for the rest of my life today if there was an opportunity to do that. What is it that we're missing out on with our, with our walk with God that through the series Jonah, we see a small part of ourselves in the lives of Jonah? I don't know what that might be for you. But let's just don't ignore it. Let's don't get angry and grumble about it. Let's don't just put it aside and all that. Let's intentionally ask God and other brothers and sisters to help us get over these things, to help us purge these things from our lives, to help us move beyond these things so that we can not only be useful for God in practical ways where we check off the list, yes, I've gone to church, yes, I've prayed, yes, I've given some money, yes, I've done this, but that our heart is actually in on it because our heart and our will is aligned with the will of God and not our own. I want you to just bow your heads for a few moments while the worship team comes up. Just allow God, just reflect on what we've talked about all through Jonah. It might not be today's message. It could be another one. But whatever it might be that God wants us personally. I don't want you to be thinking what God wants us collectively to do. Because I think sometimes we think about what can we as a church do so that you don't have to think about what do you as a person need to do. It's easy to say, as a church, we need to do all these various things. But it's hard to sit down one-on-one and look in a mirror and say, I got some things I need to wrestle with. I got some things I need to deal with. What is it that God is speaking to you about right now? Father, we... Jonah is a good example of someone who follows the rules and who does what you say and is not experiencing the joy that you have intended for each of us. He's bringing his preferences. He's bringing his patriotism. He's bringing even his racism in on it. And whatever else he might want to have, he's bringing all of those things in on what you want him to do. Father, help us to not come to a place where you have to, we end up in the belly of a fish or we end up angry because a comfort is taken from us. Help us, Father, to lay ourselves like a living sacrifice on that altar that you may do your will in our lives. And as you work in us, Father, we are more likely to allow you to work through us and affect the lost world around us. But it begins in us, Father. Shine your light into those dark corners and show us what you would have us to do, what you would have us to get rid of, what you would have us to kill in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.